What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. It's the SNL Hall of Fame Podcast with your host, Jamie Dew. Chief Librarian, Thomas Senna. And featuring Matt Ardill. And now, Curator of the Hall, Jamie Dew. All right, hey, thank you so much. And welcome to the SNL Hall of Fame podcast, a weekly affair where each week we take a deep dive into the career of a former cast member, host, musical guest, or writer, and add them to the ballot for your consideration. Once 15 of the 30 nominees have been announced for the season, we turn to you, the listeners, to vote for the most deserving and determine who will be enshrined for perpetuity in the hall. My name is Jamie Dew. I am host and curator. And please, before stepping foot in the hall, wipe, 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 wipe your feet. I mean, for heaven's sake, keep it clean here. If you've been paying attention or looking at the episode numbers, you're going to realize that we have announced 15 of the 30 nominees that I mentioned uh, earlier in my little boilerplate. And I can tell you that makes this a special episode. What we are doing today is we are going to sit with three of our favorite guests or cast members on the show, and we are going to get them to reveal their ballots live. Well, it won't be live when you listen to it, but it's live for me. We are getting them to reveal their ballots live here on the podcast. And uh, as you're listening to this, You know, you can use this to sort of bounce ideas off yourself. Is this somebody that I want in the hall? Do I need to make sure to vote for that person so they get in? Do I care about the whole first ballot nonsense? You know, maybe they'll get in next year. I don't know. I'm uh, looking forward to this discussion, and I will now reveal who we are sitting with. To my right, I have Thomas Senna. Thomas, how you doing? Hello, Jamie Dew. I'm doing really well today. Excited to talk SNL, as always. Dynamite. Below you is Matty Price. Dynamite. (laughs) (laughs) Good to see you, Jamie. Good to see you, too. And then we have got uh, the TV show graphs herself, Jamie Burwood. How are you doing, Jamie? I am doing great. To my fellow Jamie, um, it is... (laughs) snowing or it has been snowing the last day or so here in Boston. So I'm just trying to stay warm. I literally have a a blanket around myself. So yeah, just getting into that winter mentality over here. Yeah, I had the same thing happen to me today. I was just working away at the computer and my little office area 
was so cold. So I had a nap. <laughs> Perfect. Jamie, just go outside and watch native Bostonians driving in the snow and you will get so angry you'll warm up right away. Definitely. No, that that sounds very much like something I would do. <laughs> All right. This is what we are going to do today. We are going to reveal the ballots. And if you've already voted, you know how this works. If you uh, haven't voted, well, this is how it works. You have a list of 31 nominees and you get up to 15 votes. That's right. You can choose 15 or you could choose four or you could choose eight. Here's the thing. You don't have to um, rationalize it to the to the world the way my three panelists have to. Because yes, I'm going to ask you to reveal how many votes you used and why you chose that number. Thomas, we'll start with you. Uh, yeah, I decided to use all 15 uh, of my votes. I was just looking at the nominee list; it was just so stacked, and I, I, I'm not feel I'm not feeling obligated to use 15 votes. Just looking at the nominee list, I don't I couldn't see even I even the I have honorable mentions on here and I could have easily voted any of those honorable mentions into the hall. So it's not that I felt the need to use all 15, but it's just, it's a stacked bunch this time around. And I think 15 was warranted. How about you, Maddie? So I did not use quite 15. I'm just counting here because I did it mostly based on, well, I'm going to say just gut of who I thought should make it this year or not. I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 12. All right. Could have easily been 20. It's very hard. It's just, I think we'll get into it a little bit when we start talking about these choices, but it, it uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's just instinct, I guess, more than anything. It's, I mean, they're all great, right? It's a really good list. Yeah, so. absolutely. Okay, how about you, Jamie? Yeah, so I was just double counting, and I used 14 of the 15, so just to be a little bit difficult, I guess. I think for me, agreed. I think there's so many deserving folks on this list, and maybe jury's still out, maybe after this, y'all convince me that I, I need to really use that that final one but um I think for me like I was just having to open it up to that next level to use the 15th vote was a little bit of like opening the floodgates a little bit of like a next tier for me so 14 was where my kind of like logical stopping point ended up being and I just quit at that point Excellent. Okay. Well, for Jamie and Maddie both, you can use your remaining ballots tonight on the show if you choose uh, after hearing, you know, like Jamie said, maybe an argument or an appeal from one of your fellow panelists. So let's uh, not dilly dally. Let's get right into this. Thomas, who is your first nominee on the ballot? All right. Yes, sir. Number one on my board, I think Maddie and Jamie are going to agree. I hope Jamie Burwood agrees because she and I talked about this person at length and we could have talked for three to four hours about this person, but we kept it for just for the sake of brevity and for uh, the sake of our listeners. We kept it to an hour, uh, but uh, I'm going to go with Will Ferrell uh, is my slam dunk number one uh, vote for the SNL Hall of Fame. I, I would not just just advocate advocate for him as an SNL Hall of Famer. I would advocate for him as the greatest of all time. I'm saying it on this podcast Whoa. that I believe Will Ferrell is the greatest cast member in the history of the show, and he's a slam dunk. My number one choice for the SNL Hall of Fame uh, in this. Wow, race. headlines made. Wow, that is great. That is like hundred point font there. There's an argument. I I'm not going to deny that he is great. The greatest. I'm going to deny. Time. 
I'm going to deny that. <laughs> going to deny that. That is denied. I think uh, you look at quality and quantity. <laughs> my man Will Ferrell has it. And Jamie Burwood, I don't know if she quite agrees with me, but she probably um, thinks there's an argument as well. She and I discussed it. I think made a great case. Jamie made a great case uh, on her episode. Maddie, where where are you at in terms of... Uh... In terms of Farrell, is he on your list? Is he is absolutely on my list. He is absolutely indispensable to the history of the show. My absolute favorite thing he did is uh, this concept of the... I don't know if you guys talked about this because they didn't hear your episode, so I apologize. But the concept of the holy shit take. Where Not quite least, in those terms. Okay, but at least once per show, he would go for an extreme reaction or line read where he would try to make the writers go, holy shit. Like, <laughs> and like that level of like just being comfortable in the live thing and, you know, and going like, I'm going to do at least one line reading that's really like just for me and the people backstage. That is great. And I, I love him to death. I don't think he did his absolute best work on SNL. I think he honed his craft and then went on to do even better stuff in films. And if you if you actually look at the sketches, especially stuff like the cheerleaders, it's he's getting by on charm, but they're not. He's not actually, I think, at his peak in the show. Is that fair? Fair. I, I actually think yeah. that's fair. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's where I. That's where I take it. Where was he on your list? You know, beyond my number one, I didn't rank. Them. Oh, okay. He's on my list. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. Good to know. All right, Jamie. The big reveal here. This one was a a no-brainer for me. Um, definitely the easiest vote on my ballot um, and probably, or I guess definitely my my number one seed as well, so to speak. Um, I think, I mean, we, we got into this all on the podcast, but I think just in terms of timing, ability to like do anything for the laugh, I think impact in the show's era was something we talked a lot about. Um, just really how he kind of transformed and helped save the show in the time when he came on, I think, is really for me a consideration like when I think about Hall of Fame folks it's not only their greatness as a performer and like for me definitely Will Ferrell no question is absolutely great um but just thinking about his role in that time period for me makes him a, a very a very easy vote excellent all right so two so Farrell on all three ballots number one on two that's the big headline so far okay great Thomas let's continue all right. I have Tom Hanks as the next slam dunk. I think there's an argument for him definitely as like maybe the greatest host of all time. Of course, we got Steve Martin, who's already an SL, SNL Hall of Famer. I think Tom Hanks is in that tier uh, along with the likes of Steve Martin as far as just wonderful SNL hosts. I mean, he has iconic characters and sketches. Uh, one of my personal favorites of all time, the Mr. Belvedere fan club. Tom Hanks was, was wonderful in that. Uh, he was great in episodes in the 80s and as recently as 2016, so he transcended eras. Um, so for all those reasons and many more, uh, Tom Hanks comes in uh, very high number two on my list all right he is my number one i think it's very close but i actually think he's the best to ever do it oh, it's very close mm -hmm. steve martin is is unassailable but i actually think hanks is better and to your point worked in the 80s worked in the 90s worked in the 2000s he's worked with more casts than any other host i think because other other folks except maybe steve martin because like john goodman has a lot of appearances he's on my ballot a spoiler but you know but he had almost <laughs> all of them with kind of like the same the same cast over and over hanks works with 
all these different disparate writing teams, cast or whatever. He's always great. And actually, I think he had, I, I feel like technically he had an appearance more recently than 2016 because didn't he host that weird from home show that they did when like they were locked out because of COVID? Yeah. Where he, he like ho- did it from his house? Yeah, I always, my, my mind <laughs> doesn't right. register that as a Tom Hanks hosted episode, but you're right. Uh, it, it definitely is. So it was more recent than 2016. Yeah. Yeah. He delivered a monologue to no one. <laughs> to the <laughs> camera. And it was still good. And the camera was completely charming by it yes yeah he's the he's amazing i i think he's the best to ever do it jamie how do you feel about mr tom hanks yeah so definitely included him on the ballot that one was also a pretty easy choice i think across the across my ballot overall i would say definitely top five like i don't i don't know necessarily top two for me but just in terms of, I think I, I tend to anchor a lot on like the numbers for a lot of this stuff, maybe too much sometimes, but I really love hosts that span eras. Like that is a big factor for me when I think about Hall of Fame inclusion. There is to me an element of if you are part of SNL's history, it's not necessarily just clustered in the span of a few years. It's like someone else said, like I think Maddie was saying, different casts, different decades, really making your mark. And I think just with Tom Hanks, he's such a, a likable person, right? Like there's one thing that I feel like people unite around and it's a love of Tom Hanks. And he brings that into the show in a way that I think is really unique. Um, and I agree definitely for me, one of the the best to do it. Yeah. I, I think when I, when I think of Tom Hanks, I think of somebody who really gets their hands into it and really uh, models the clay, works with the works with the writers really well, understands the DNA and the fabric of this institution. I think that is a, a tremendous pick. In like his tw- 10th appearance, he did Rupert S. Pupkins. Like, <laughs> he did like the most iconic SNL sketch of the last 10 years. And that was like after he'd hosted 10 times. <laughs> yeah, his legacy was already cemented. And then he did David S. Pumpkins. Like, and <laughs> he came back Pumpkins, and, and then he, Yeah, and then he did, yeah. came back and did it again, not as a host, but he came back and, and wowed us with it one more time. So... <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go around the horn again. We're going to start this time with Maddie. I'm going to go because we've done a host and a and a cast member. I'm going to go to musical guests here, and I'm going to say again, no brainer. Just in terms of when I think of this performer, I think of SNL, and that's Elvis Costello. I think Elvis Costello is like he is the consummate SNL musical guest. Interesting, incredibly versatile, great stage presence great performance great writing songwriting craft he he hits all the sort of the kind of elvis costello will be cool forever in a way that snl is cool forever wow that's interesting to me because he was nominated this year right and to me he didn't strike me as somebody that would get a lot of first ballots so this is a Really interesting, Maddie. Cool. And I like I like that. I like that he is an institution as well, to steal my own phrase. Jamie, where did you where did you land on Elvis Costello? So not on my list, and again, not because all these folks aren't deserving. I think for me, musical guests is my toughest category. I think I so I ended up with just one selection from this category. I think just again for me personal bias is probably at play here and that I tend to anchor more on the the writer, host, and cast member categories. But I love hearing what other people take away from the musical guest. I do have one selection, which I can talk about later, but it uh, just didn't quite make the cut for me. All right. Thomas? 
Yeah, much like Jamie, I only have one musical guest uh, on my ballot. Mr. Elvis Costello is not on my ballot. And he he definitely has a famous or infamous moment in SNL history. I discussed that with Justin uh, Renwick on, on, on our Elvis Costello episode. He definitely has that one famous moment where he got quote-unquote banned from the show. How much of a strong ban, we don't really know. Um, but he did have that famous moment. He put in a few subsequent really good performances after that he was involved in the SNL's tw- uh, 25th anniversary show so they thought enough of him to to bring him to perform with the Beastie Boys on that episode so SNL and Lorne clearly hold him in high regard for a reason he was really great but he did not make my my list this time around all right well bold choice Mr. Price you know what music is the hardest and it is absolutely the most personal I think and it's easy it's the easiest part of the show to dismiss as sort of like not really the show I, I is totally, the musical I totally performances agree with you. yeah but it really is a huge part of the show like the I don't know the, the fact that there's still a slot once a week for a cool band or cool performer to kind of hold that spotlight and in a variety show format is uh, I find that really cool yeah I, I do too Let's stay on this theme then. This will be the musical guest segment. Jamie, you had mentioned that you had one. Tom Petty uh, was nominated last year by Marcus okay. Jennings. Did not make the did not make the cut, obviously. But um, go on, yeah, please. Yeah, I think a couple deciding factors for me on this one. I think again, era, and I mentioned this earlier. I'm a, a junkie for these cross era folks, so just the fact that the span here was, I think, 31 years, something just absolutely crazy across eight different times from late 70s to 2010. The thing that I thought was really interesting here, and this came from the the podcast. This was something that that Marcus mentioned that stuck with me a little bit was around I think all but one time them being paired with a, a repeat host. I think just the combination of Tom Petty coming in with these really iconic host legends, Tom Hanks, John Goodman, Alec Baldwin, like really the top tier to create, I think, these overall iconic episodes. Yes. So again, for me, I feel like I'm almost as the like the non-super musical guest inclined person. I'm almost inclined. I'm also grouping it kind of with just overall episode and like the role that they played in those episodes. So for me, that was how I I made this selection. I think in looking at this list, there are lots of different musical guests that I have differing opinions on personally, but that's what I chose to anchor on for this one. Jamie, I love that rationale. Uh, I I think that those, those musical guests that create those in quote episodes that we go back to where it's like the whole shebang was amazing are definitely the reason why we include musical guests in the hall of fame. It, it is a, you know, a big part of the show. It can drag down a show. If a show is chugging along and then you get a bad musical guest and an okay weekend update, you can go into the second half really like sort of, Hmm. So I love that, that Petty is part of these, you know, monster episodes, right? Uh, I think that's great. Thomas, in terms of musical guests, you had one on your ballot as well. Yes, I did. And it was someone who actually performed with Tom Petty. So it wasn't Tom Petty. It was someone who performed with Tom Petty when Tom Petty was musical guest. And, and Marcus made a made a good, great case last season about Tom Petty. Jamie uh, made a great case as well. Um, so I can understand the Tom Petty vote. But my vote 
my one musical guest who I voted for is Dave Grohl, um, hands down for me. Uh, he has the most appearances as a musical guest in the show's history, and to me that counts for something. He did transcend eras, so his first appearance was with Nirvana in early 1992, and of course he appeared with Foo Fighters many times, he performed with them Crooked Vultures once, Paul McCartney, he performed with Bon Jovi, Tom Petty. Uh, he has two of the what I think are the best performances in SNL history. So two things that resonated with me were Best of You in season 31 in November. And then Times Like These, like the Foo Fighters performance of Times Like These uh, in November of 2020. That was the day that, that it was made official that Joe Biden beat Donald Trump in the election. And we were all just tuning in to SNL, all of us fans wondering what they were going to do. And Foo Fighters' performance of times like these just gave me the chills and uh, honestly like got, got me choked up. Every time I watch that performance, it gets me choked up. So the most memorable moment of my SNL fandom when it comes to musical guests and yeah, Dave Grohl hopefully gets into the Hall of Fame. He has my vote. All right. Weirdly, I... I had two musical guests. My other one was Prince, which I can talk about in a second, uh, just like why I chose those. I didn't choose Dave Grohl and like not to be too upsetting, but, you know, in my estimation, musical guest is about great musicians and Dave Grohl is a drummer. Uh, no, anyway. The- <laughs> <laughs> He's a great front man and that's the evolution of him as a front man. I'm just messing. I'm just messing. I love Dave Grohl. He's awesome. I didn't wind up choosing him and I didn't wind up choosing Tom Petty either. And I don't know, again, it's just on gut, but I just, there's something about the people that I want to put in for musical guests where I feel like in my mind, I sort of equate them to the, like the spirit of the show, you know, if that makes sense. And I sort of, I don't necessarily, even though Tom Petty was on the show a lot, I don't feel like Tom Petty and I love Tom Petty. I have every album, but I don't feel like Tom Petty's vibe in life is the vibe of SNL. In the same way that I feel like Prince and, and Elvis Costello's vibe is the vibe of SNL. If that, I don't, again, it's music is like the most personal and the most crazy. And I, I, I actually feel like Dave Grohl is also in that same vibe. But for whatever reason, maybe because of the era that I grew up in, it's just not as deep a connection for me. But like, you know, I love both those artists. It just wasn't necessarily. But Prince, on the other hand, I think actually like deserves to be in every Hall of Fame. <laughs> for everything <laughs> all right petty has got a way to climb i'm i'm just looking at the chart now last year got 7.1 percent of the ballot so the cutoff is five percent so i would think they'll be on the ballot again next year but jamie he doesn't need to climb because he's learning to fly god <laughs> oh boy <laughs> Prince is a uh, mightily ahead of him at nine percent. So musical guests did not score very high last year, and I'm hoping that changes this year as people understand sort of the conceit of the show a little bit better. All right, where do we want to go next? Uh, I want to hear from Jamie, and I want to hear your next most passionate argument. Yes. So I would say. My next most passionate one would be in the writer's category, actually. So The Lonely Island was super high up on my list. I would say probably top three for me. So this one I'm really passionate about. I think what is really unique about them, I think, A, they're responsible for a lot of the 
really freshest and most memorable moments from kind of that era of the show. I think B, they really made SNL comedy modern and kind of viral friendly in this way that I think was absolutely critical for the show to evolve. And so when we think about like impact, to me, the impact that they played in kind of the show adapting to what audiences react to and adapting to just how we consume media was just absolutely fascinating and really cool. Personally, on this one, just also absolutely love everything they do. So I try to separate my personal preference from my votes, but this is one where they both just happen to really line up. And I feel like the impact is there. I think just the humor right up my own personal alley. I think musical comedy is something that is tricky to do, and I think they just do it phenomenally really could go on and on. But when we think about like, what is a a water cooler type sketch, I feel like they played a huge role in just affecting how that has evolved over time. So they were very, very high on my overall list. Yeah, crazy influential. Uh, You can see their fingerprints all over the show even now still. Yep. Wild. Maddie, where are you uh, in terms of Lonely Island is 100% on the they are they okay there's i think i was counting in my head i think there's maybe like three times that the show was to some degree in trouble and stagnating a little bit and somebody came along and saved the show i think eddie murphy saved the show i think without eddie murphy we might not have had snl probably i think i think in another way phil hartman saved the show by creating a kind of a soul for the show that it really didn't have. It was sort of floundering around post-Lauren coming back. It didn't really have a, an identity. I think Phil Hartman saved the show. And I think Lonely Island saved the show. I think if Lonely Island hadn't broken through and figured out a way to make that viral content and get that show to be rediscovered by people who were much younger than the core audience, I don't know that we would still have SNL. That is another big freaking headline. Yeah. I I, <laughs> I don't know that I, I don't know that I show. agree with the entirety of the argument, especially based on the argument that was just made this week on the show. <laughs> um, uh, the the Farrell potentially saved the uh, saved the show. I think Farrell potentially saved the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I agree. I think that's another teeter totter moment. Maybe not quite as dramatic, but you're right. But anyway, yeah, I think I think Lonely Island, if they hadn't come along when they did, if they hadn't figured out how to do those short films and put that sort of like that content now is a huge part of the show. Absolutely. There is basically a short film in every single episode and there and there never won't be again. It's a permanent part of the show now. It throws back to actually the Albert Brooks stuff in the first couple of seasons. The idea that they would go and do like a a film as part of the show, but it was never successful. You could never figure out how to crack it. And those guys cracked it and smash it wide open. Yeah. Thomas, how about you? The Lonely Island was in my top three. They're number three on my list, like slam dunk, no brainer. Yeah. Um, I was going to take my my time discussing The Lonely Island to kind of scold the voters a little bit from last season. Yeah. I was shocked. It's completely shocked that The Lonely Island didn't make the SNL Hall of Fame last season. I think that was the most egregious omission of anybody on the list. And Maddie, I agree with with most of what you said. I don't think the Lonely Island quite saved the show. I think the totality of that class of of that cast, when we look at who was in that cast, and I think we'll we'll get to the head writer of that time period. But 
I think the Lonely Island went so far as to... They gave a lot of non-SNL fans reasons to watch SNL. They pulled people back into the show or into the show for the first time. The, the, the jokes were there. The It was creative. Of course, they had the first viral YouTube video. I mean, come on, voters. Like, this is the only one that I'm going to scold everybody about because the Lonely Island should already be in. Hopefully, they'll break that threshold this time around. Yeah, last time they scored 52.9%. So... It wasn't even like just by a thread. It was like 52.9. Come on, people. Thomas is right. Get it together. Get your act <laughs> together. Okay. Yeah. Thomas. Boo, voters and listeners of this <laughs> <Yeah>. show. <laughs> <laughs> um, love you all. Thomas, who you got next? All right. I did do a little cursory kind of ranking of mine. So I'll go to to my number four, which is Bill Hader. I think Bill Hader is arguably a top five or so cast member. He's definitely in my pantheon of cast members. I mean, master impressionist for sure. Perhaps like one of the most iconic characters in SNL history, maybe the most iconic, Stefan. Our friends at the Saturday Night Network did a character countdown uh, last year. And Stefan, as voted by the listeners, ranked number one, the number one character in SNL history as voted by the listeners. And I think that's um, was a worthy number one, actually. So Bill Hader, just super, super talented sketch performer, could do it all, impressionist, straight man, big characters, just he has it all. I think Bill Hader is probably a slam dunk for the, for the SNL Hall of Fame. Jamie, how do you feel about yeah, so he, Bill Hader? Yeah, he was definitely on my list fairly high as well. I think... When I think about some of the most talented cast members, and I know that's a very loaded term, everyone's going to have their opinions on it. I think he is one of the most purely talented cast members in many different ways. I love how he does a little bit of everything, impressions on point, original characters, like just actual like acting ability, just Everything rolled into one amazingly talented performer really defines his era in a lot of ways. Agree completely with everything that Thomas said. Like he he needs to be in the Hall of Fame. I agree with everything everybody said. I think Hater is he's a he's a slam dunk top five cast member of all time. I think I think especially I mean he's a great writer. He's a v- brilliant impressionist and a, and you know I think he is just so funny, which is why he's the I think he's the only person who regularly corpsed in sketches that I still think is a great uh, cast member. Most of the other guys that corpse all the time or the women that corpse, it's not, it's fine and it's funny, but it's not actually good. He's always good when he loses it. But I, I do think that like the thing that sets him apart is I think he's, I think he's probably the best actor, the best performer of any of the cast members. Really? I think it's him and Phil Hartman just as, pure acting ability hall of famer phil hartman (laughs) yeah um all right maddie who do you have next in your list that you want to talk about can i do a pair because i find like i just can't uh separate them maybe you each can i don't know how you do kristen wig without doing maya rudolph or maya rudolph without doing kristen wig i just they're both incredible they're totally synonymous to me because they're they essentially were together for like the whole time they were on the show. They often were together in sketches. They're clearly really enamored of each other, if that makes sense. And I just think both of them together, I don't think you can put, if you put one in and not the other, boo listeners of this show. 
I don't understand how you could have Chris Wig and not my Rudolph or Bryce. Oh no! Uh, if Thomas is putting his hand yeah, up. Yeah, I'm putting my hand up and lowering my head and because Maddie just booed me. <laughs> so I guess if you do, if you have nothing else to say, Maddie, I can tell you no, I'll why you... Take Okay. <laughs> take it. All righty. Um, I did vote Kristen Wiig. And to, to me, she was a slam dunk. She was actually fifth on my list. I mean, obviously, big memorable characters. Uh, she tended to pop and own every sketch that she was in to me. And she was more versatile than I think a lot of people credit give her credit for. We, we, we think about Kristen Wiig, a lot of people think of Gilly and a lot of those really huge cartoonish kind of characters, but she could play it straight. I, I brought up uh, some examples. Uh, I did the episode with John Schneider, brought up some examples of that I think Kristen is a really great, she could have been a great um, silent film actor in the vein of like Charlie Chaplin or Buster Keaton. Uh, the, she, she just had that way, that movement about her that made her pop off the screen. And she was beloved by the show. She had that huge send off. Uh, so Kristen Wiig, definitely on my list. Maya Rudolph, I've realized during this process that I'm less of a Maya Rudolph fan of her work on SNL than I think most SNL fans are. And I respect her talent. I love when she pops up in like the good place and all types of other shows i love when she comes back to the snl but something about her time at snl didn't click totally with me i never got excited about what maya rudolph is going to do this week i never just something never clicked about her maybe she was the cast she was on maybe she got drowned out a little bit she had those big characters like Kristen did but i don't think she had enough of the other thing that Kristen had, which the versatility to me. Um, yeah, so boo me, Kristen Wig in, Maya Rudolph out. Jamie's, I'm sorry, I cannot continue. I have to go. I can't. <laughs> this is egregious. Oh, no. All right. All right. We're all, no, it's all good. Thomas, come on, <laughs> Jamie Burwood, we'll, we'll let you have the final word on this. Yeah, I guess I get to break the tie here. Okay, so I was in the middle on this one. I, I did. Both, uh, vote both of them in. Maya Rudolph was a tough call for me. She was not originally on my list. I had an extra vote to give, and I brought her in. I think for me, Kristen Wiig, again, just that one was easy. I think just the impact and just the domination when she was on the show of just like that feeling that you saw her in everything to the point that I feel like people almost kind of were like, is this just her show? Like, she was everywhere. I feel like that to me, just spoke volumes to like her role in almost taking over the show. Um, so I I was definitely an all-in on her. Maya Rudolph, I ended up including just because I think, Jamie, you talk about the whole thing about like to tell the story of SNL, do you have to talk about this person? I ended up feeling like, yes, to talk about the history of SNL, I think just from a representation standpoint as kind of one of the like longest running black female cast members at the time, I was like, okay, this is... I think just the role she played in like the comedy of that era, I think is important. So I gave her the slot on the ballot. I think she does great work. I think she's super funny. She's like not one of my personal top cast members, but I tried to just kind of like turn that part of my brain off and ended up deciding that I thought she deserved the slot. Oh, interesting conversation there, guys. Wig, of course, was nominated this year, like Thomas said, by John Schneider. And Maya Rudolph was last year by Liz Shannon Miller. And she only received 47.1% of the, of the vote. So she's got a ways to go to get to that 66.1. But I think 
if people listen to, well, obviously Maddie and Jamie, <laughs> then, you know, she, she might climb that hill. But if they listen to Thomas, she won't climb the hill. <laughs> I would be very happy for Maya if she made it. I like her. Let's let that be known. I like Maya Rudolph. <laughs> Can I make one more plug for Maya Rudolph if people are on the fence? I defy you to find a single second of a single performance of a single show that Maya Rudolph is in where she is anything other than totally authentic. It's not possible for her to be insincere. And that is a, to me, that's a huge thing. That's a big proclamation, but uh, I'm not going to. You think about the way you think about the way she attacks those roles. You think about how she goes at it. It always comes from a place of authenticity. It's crazy how, how much it's like a part of her. I'll take it. That's my, okay. Jamie Burwood. I don't know. I don't have to say your last name, do I? You don't have to say my last name because uh, unless people think I would be talking to myself. You guys need to get together on this. Jeez. Jamie, how are you doing? Um, Jamie, who is the next one that you would like to talk about? Or if you've got a pair, if you've got something that lines up pairwise as well, you can do that. All right. So I think for me, Alec Baldwin would be the next one that I wanted to talk about. Um, so we know he has the most times hosting. I think the era span here is kind of checked off. I think just some of the most iconic moments of all time. I mean, thinking about Trump impression, thinking about again, era spanning, canteen boy, sweaty ball, just like all of these different moments in SNL history that he has been a part of. Again, when I think about host induction, I kind of do my little stats check and my impact check. And for me, he hit both of them pretty solidly. So he was a middle of my ballot, but like solidly middle of my ballot selection. He's such an interesting subject because if we're having this conversation five years ago, I think there's no dancing around it at all. And I'm not saying you're dancing around it, Jamie, but I just mean it would be like, yeah, this is like potentially the number one person that I'm listing right now because they are so part of the fabric of this show. But now uh, it's the, it just shows you how tiring something can get. And, and not to mention he's had some personal, some personal issues, but do either of you have Elsa? Yeah, I couldn't put him. I couldn't put him on the ballot. I think, like you said, I think five years ago it would have been a much easier choice. But I actually think his Trump is detrimental and damaging and terrible. And it's so bad that I think it actually helped Trump. And so for that reason, I think he comes off the ballot for me. If you want to make an analogy, he's Pete Rose. Thomas, where are you at? Well, I, I don't agree that, I mean, I had, I hated his Trump impression, um, but I don't, I think it's giving it a lot of credit if we think that it moved the needle in the election in any sort of significant way. So I disagree with that. And I don't think, so we got to keep in mind, and I know the Trump thing's going to turn a lot of people off to Baldwin. He only did the impression once as a host. And that's what we're talking about him in this context as, okay. as, as a host. So he did his other Trump impressions as just a guest on the show. As a host, he did it. It once and and uh, I did the episode on Alec Baldwin with uh, the great Will Norman and we I made sure because I knew that was going to be a sticky point with a lot of people including myself personally did not like the imp that impression at all but he, again he only did it once as a host so there's only so much I could dock him for that impression if I'm talking about Alec 
as a host. I did have him number six on my list, so he would have been the next one that I talked about. So pretty high up there for me, um, or probably around the same ballpark as as uh, I have with Jamie. I think you know he he understood the show in a way that that most hosts don't seem to. Uh, he was a committed, totally committed sketch performer. Had great timing, great dry delivery, but but. I know we we I think we as SNL fans sometimes overuse the notion that a host was game. I mean, I think that's the lowest bar to me. Sometimes it's like if the host doesn't faint during their monologue, then we say they were game that that week. But I think it's true without Baldwin. I think that's the prime example of a game host right there is Alec Baldwin. He was up for anything and can execute almost any idea that a writer threw at him. And and many writers and former cast members on SNL have said he was maybe their favorite host, was one of the funniest people. He's just so many people, different people have complimented him for his work on SNL who worked with him on the show. Uh, that's hard for me to ignore. I think I think personally, he's a slam dunk on my list. Well, uh, you're up to bat actually next, Thomas, in terms of your list. All righty, let's go with a writer on the show. Lighten the mood a little bit from <laughs> from Alec to to one of the greatest writers that that the show to me has ever seen, and and somebody who was an oddball. And I love oddballs. So Jack Handy, you're on my list for sure. Just such a unique voice on the show. Some of the weirder sketches around the late '80s and early '90s that you can think of, like Unfrozen Caveman Lawyer, that and similar sketches in that vein. And and if you think about it, how many writers had their own segments on SNL with their name attached to it? Right. Like he had deep thoughts with Jack Handy, yeah. fuzzy memories with Jack Handy, the other iteration of deep thoughts. He had a, a, a little over 100 different segments on SNL with Gee, his name man. attached to it. Yeah. So yeah. I think Jack Handy, as far as writers go, I mean, to me, he's almost a no-brainer for me. Great. Okay. Maddie. I didn't choose Jack Handy, but not because I don't love Jack Handy. It just, I guess I wasn't sure. I don't know enough about the ins and outs. It's the same reason I didn't choose Paula Pell either. I don't know enough about which sketches they worked on. I did choose two writers, but not them, not them, because I didn't feel like I knew enough about what specifically they did. I will say that Jack Handy's like the only, is he the only SNL writer to get his own book deal out of his... <laughs> Out of his segment, <laughs> might be for maybe for an SNL segment. Yeah, maybe yeah. Maybe the Sniglets count. <laughs> I loved uh, Deep Thoughts when I was you know watching the show in its original run. It was one of my favorite bits. He just he didn't quite make the cut. Okay, how about you, Jamie? Did he make the cut for you? He did not. I would say similar to Maddie. Not um, not that I don't think he's great probably would fall in that like next kind of group that i was evaluating that kind of next tier i think when i think of him and this is just again me probably not knowing exactly what he did or didn't write i associate with deep thoughts and like to me that is most of what i associate that is absolutely selling him short thomas you can like school and educate us all um but i think for me it was just a matter of having to prioritize within that writer's group and so it didn't quite make the cut yeah, it's, and it's it's very difficult with writers, and I, I totally understand what you guys are saying, to, to know exactly what their fingerprints were on, especially writers in Jack Handy's time in the late 80s, early 90s. We didn't have the type of information then, as far as who wrote what, that we do now. I mean, we, we find out who wrote 
the week sketches a few hours after after the show ends nowadays. We didn't have that with Jack Handy. So I totally I totally understand. I think that's going to be a hindrance to a, a lot of writers, honestly, uh, on the on this ballot. I think you're right. I think you're right. As you know, we can look at some dynamite writers that were on the ballot last year. Michael O'Donoghue, Franklin Davis, John Mulaney, to name a few that all had under 47 percent uh very low scores maybe that'll change again as people understand sort of the conceit of the show listen to the episodes because the nomineers usually do a really great job of researching uh, the person as does thomas batty who you got next i can do another pair i guess a couple of writers that i did put on the list and for very different reasons but i think they kind of are both Equally important. One is one is Michael O'Donoghue, who I'm going to flag every year until he gets in because so a couple of reasons. I think the whole first season of SNL and uh, is is really very much shaped by his comedic voice. The very first sketch that was ever on the show is a pure Michael O'Donoghue sketch. In fact, he's in the sketch. But but I just think O'Donoghue is the one of the driving forces behind how self-destructive and self-immolating those first five years of the show were. He was a huge drug addict. And I actually don't think you can understate or overstate how important drug addiction and self-destruction is to the beginnings of this show. It is incredibly important, both because it happened and because they figured out how to stop it from happening. And so O'Donoghue is in for me. I think he's he's a no-brainer for that reason. He's incredibly important to the history of SNL. On the flip side, I would say the, the polar opposite of him is Seth Meyers, who is the most normcore, you know, calming influence on a writer's room that I've ever seen, who wrestled in all of these different writers and styles and Lonely Island and Fred and all and Paula Pell and, and kept some of the veterans going and was able to kind of create this very cohesive room. And I think that his era of the show is the most sort of stable and productive and drama free. And that's equally as important to what Michael O'Donoghue brought. Oh, that's, so I'd put them both in. That's a great, that's a great little uh, compare and contrast there. Cool. Jamie, got a double take to do here. Yes. Okay, so where to start here? All right, I'll start with Seth Meyers because that was an easy one for me. I think just when I think about his era as head writer, just iconic, I think of it as his era in a way that I don't think you always do for every kind of long-running head writer. And just there's some element of his fingerprint on that that time period that's just hard to put into to words. But I feel like I feel like he definitely deserves Hall of Fame status. Michael O'Donoghue had him on my list. For me, this kind of tied back to just whether I was comfortable putting him into Hall of Fame. And impact in story-wise, he absolutely gets in just his role in those first few years of the show. I think just something, he was my one exception to the impact rule, just based on what I know about him. And maybe it's just my own preference around him of his style of comedy, but it ended up being the deciding factor where I nixed him from my list last minute, but I'm honestly still on the fence about it because it doesn't meet my like impact rule. So that's where I landed. I, can I just say that? I mean, he is a terrible person in ways. Alec Baldwin could not dream of being a terrible person like, <laughs> like in his best worst day. He's not as bad a person as Michael Donahue. So. Thomas, 
it's interesting. Last season, I I voted for Michael O'Donoghue, but he was literally my last one in. He was my last cut, and. I did not vote for him this time around, simply uh, and not simply because, but one of the reasons is because there was just an avalanche of of new great nominees that I, I looked at the list and I couldn't justify putting O'Donoghue in. But I understand his importance to the show clearly. I think Jamie brings up a good point as far as the comfort level. Like you feel when I voted for Michael O'Donoghue <laughs> last year, I still I felt a little dirty. <laughs> I'm gonna yeah. be honest. Like, part of me did feel a little dirty good. voting for Michael he O'Donoghue, just, and he is- would and he would love that. that his, yeah, so I was going to say, I know. in his grave, he, he smiled. Absolutely. He felt dirty about exactly, it. Exactly, exactly. So, <laughs> so sorry, Michael O'Donoghue, I didn't vote for you this time around. Seth Myers, I absolutely did. Um, Lorne, when Seth was a cast member, and, and by the way, it's, this is Seth Myers for, for, as a writer, not a cast member. Right. But when Seth was a cast member, Lorne spotted Seth's writing chops and approached him and started grooming him to be head writer someday. He was like associate writer. He became co-head writer. And then in 2006, Seth was the head writer of the show. He didn't get even get hired on the show as a writer. We see some cast members like Mikey Day got hired as a writer. So did Bo and Yang. Seth got purely hired as a cast member, but Lauren spotted something in him to want him to make Seth Meyers the, the leader of, of the show, essentially, on the writing side. And we talked about that era of the show. And we often complain that certain cast members weren't used properly. I know that's a big SNL fan complaint. It's hard to say that about the cast when Seth was head writer. And I think a lot of that had to do with Seth's leadership. And he, he knew how to write for different voices and make everybody's voice shine. He's a very giving performer and a very giving writer, Seth. And I think that came through in, in those seasons where he was head writer. So uh, definitely Seth Myers is in for me. And I actually, Jamie, want to pair since since Maddie got to pair uh, writers, I actually want to pair another writer with Seth Myers. They're a little bit in the same vein. So on my list was also James Downey, uh, who I did vote in. And the big reason was because he was the dominant political voice on a show that was known for its political satire around that time. We're thinking about Dana Carvey's George, the, those those George W. Bush, Ross Perot, Bill Clinton, this, the famous like 88 Dukakis Bush debate sketches all the way up through the 90s. James Downey was the central figure behind all of that political satire that became so dominant and famous on SNL. And for good reason, it was, it was wonderful. I personally don't share James Downey's like personal politics. He's pretty he's fairly conservative he was kind of a conservative voice on the show but that necessarily didn't like that bias didn't necessarily shine through in his writing i think he was really even-handed about how he approached his writing and someone with that much impact on on snl as far as political satire to me uh needs to be in the snl hall of fame so i voted for james downey uh, as a writer as well all right so that brings downey to the table for maddie and jamie do either of you have downey on your ballots can I say that I just added him because I can't believe I left him off? Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Maddie. And, I'll, I'm not, and you're going to have to give me credit for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you regardless regardless yeah. of whether or not you forgot, I think I'll, I'd like to think I talked to you into it just now. No, you did. You All did. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's he's great. And you're out, everything you said times 100. He's, he's a very important part of the writing team. And he 
has a lot of longevity on the show because he does bring a uniquely sort of policy wonky kind of perspective to what he's doing. And he's able to kind of get to the heart of why the political stuff is worth doing on the show. And yeah, and his own personal politics, I think they do inform his sketches, but in a way that is still really funny. How about you, Jamie? Yeah, I did. I did not include him. I think just in the the writers field, I ended up just selecting a couple because same logic of like, what is that that next level? But you have given me some stuff to think about. I talked about <laughs> how I have that one vote left. Maybe maybe he'll make his way onto a short list for being in contention for that final vote. Awesome. Okay. Cool. All right. So Thomas, we'll we'll go with you here. All right, let's take one off the list. I'm actually going to suck up to Jamie Burwood here. And so my next one is one that Jamie made a wonderful case for in season one. (laughs) And it's Molly Shannon. Uh, When I think about commitment... I mean, there's there's few SNL performers that were more committed in their sketch work as Molly Shannon. I put Bull in a China Shop kind of performer because that's an, often what she what she was. Oh man, thinking about an iconic character, she has one of the most iconic characters in the show's history with Mary Catherine Gallagher, which to me still stands the test of time. And on rewatches, and I like, I didn't get tired of Mary Catherine Gallagher, which is which is hard to do for a recurring character, especially one that big. And she also has Delicious Dish and just so many things. I think she was she just popped off the screen. And I think that I noticed a trend with with performers I gravitated toward, and that intangible thing is, did they pop? to me and molly shannon completely pop off the screen to me jamie did molly shannon pop off the screen to you yes you know that she did of course (laughs) yeah so this was one that i am super passionate about i could give my 90 minute monologue and i will not do that do not worry um but for me molly shannon was a vote based on many things i think the physical comedy for sure really moment in time and the role that she played in season 21. I know we talk about Will Ferrell a lot. I think the other piece of that was that I think Molly in particular really led the way for a group of iconic female performers on that show that really got people talking about what what was happening on the show and just all of a sudden this group of really funny women doing amazing things on SNL and I feel that Molly is really at the forefront of that. I feel like she breakout characters absolutely. I think just the devotion in a way that was really transcendent for me stands out. Think case could be made for kind of like a trifecta potentially of like female cast members around that time. But I would argue that Molly was kind of the the leading voice for a lot of that and that the role that she played was super unique, that she was fearless. I will stop myself now because you know I can keep going on no. on this one. Um, this is but great. Just, this is great. This I is... think the the era, the time she left in 2001, I mentioned this on the podcast, she was the longest serving female cast member at that time. Another fun stat, just because I like stats, in the three seasons before she came on, in two of those seasons, there were not any sketches with like three or more women together on screen. Just like... She ushered in this era of just like groups of funny women on television doing really cool stuff in a way that I'm super passionate about. So that is my soapbox. I will step down. Now. And for more, 
uh, push pause right now and go back to episode 14 of season one to hear the complete tale of the tape. Uh, Maddie, was Molly Shannon on your ballot? She wasn't. Okay. I'm sorry. Oh, I love Maddie. Okay. Boo. Boo. I know. Boo, Maddie. Boo, the Grinch. Uh, Maddie's got a lot of personality <laughs> issues. And he, sometimes he has to take too many pills. All right. The, here's the thing. I love Molly Shannon. But she, just like you guys said with Maya Rudolph, she's that next tier down for me personally. I absolutely agree with everything you said. She did break ground for a lot of other female performers. I think I like those people, maybe some of them more than her, even though so she broke the ground, but they came through in ways that I think are like more interesting to me. I right. and, and I think that's partly because the built-in sexism of the show, I think, limited what she could do to some degree. No, I think that's totally fair. And I think that like that, it, it's kind of a bit of a, a hot take pick even. So like, I'm surprised that I'm actually not the only one that had her in my ballot out of this group. So um, better outcome than I was hoping for. My case still stands if folks are, are out there voting. But yeah, fair fair point, Maddie. I feel like there's kind of these different tiers that we each have. And I, I feel like it's in different places for different people. Well, she was at 34.8% last year. I think she can make up some ground, but it's significant ground she needs to make up. But I, I think she can. By the way, Molly Shannon has a really good autobiography. Oh, that's uh, right. Called Hello, Molly. Um, I'm actually currently reading it. So I don't know if that informed yeah. my vote, but now I think I would have voted for her anyway. But um, yeah, no, it's really good. Um, Hello, Molly. Uh, it's very, very entertaining. And it'll make you love Molly Shannon even more. All right, Thomas, we're going to hear another one from you. Okay. Uh, my next one's actually really interesting because this is somebody who, if I asked maybe someone who's not a super fan of SNL, but they know what the show is. Like, who do you, when you picture SNL, who do you think of? Though this, this will be one of the first names that they say, but as an SNL fan, I think this person's not on the level of what most people would think. Still has, have him as a Hall of Famer. It's Mike Myers. That's an interesting one to me because if I'm looking, he he's one of those where I think I voted for him because he popped just so much. Like, like the way he jumped off the screen was undeniable. Those big memorable characters, very funny, just so, so dynamic of a performer. But there's also that thing where I did hesitate a little bit and I was kind of in in some ways surprised that Mike Myers wasn't like a the shoe-in of shoe-ins like a lot of people would think for me. Um, he's still in, but I think there's a more interesting discussion about Mike Myers and his SNL Hall of Fame candidacy than than we might actually think. So I'm curious to see what Maddie and Jamie have to say about this as well. Well, Jamie, what, what do you have to say? Yes. So I included him. He was probably bottom half-ish of the list, though it's a little tricky to quantify. I think for me, as with a few of the folks in here, I sometimes have trouble separating like SNL version versus all of the other things that we come to know a person for. And I think sometimes that can hurt or help a person's candidacy. I think for me, when I think specifically about him on SNL, I feel like there is there is still that bar of iconic just performances, characters, elevating the content that put him on the list for me. But he wasn't at the top of my list. And it, it also felt a little bit weird to me because I think he would be very high on a lot of people's lists. So maybe I was not giving him enough credit in placement on my list. Maddie, <laughs> how much credit do you give him? He's, he's another one that doesn't quite make my list. Okay. 
He's I and I think even in listening to you guys, no one is super passionate about him. He's there. But I felt like, well, I mean, look, there's it's some, somewhat a gut thing. I, it just doesn't feel like his year for me to vote for him. But if I had to sort of like put it into words, I think some people are on the show and they you're just scratching the surface of what they're capable of. And then and then you realize, oh, my God, they were so talented. And I feel like Mike Myers was just about as talented as he seemed on the show. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, yes, he's very funny, but he also is. I think he brought 95% of what he contributed to the show with him before he joined the show. He didn't really grow as a performer. And even in his film stuff and everything he's done, he's done gone on to great success. He's very popular. But he really like has the same like sort of five stock characters that he had when he was 23. And he brought them with him. And they're pretty funny and really funny in some cases. And like, I don't think there's a funnier movie moment for moment than So I Married an Axe Murderer. It's pretty funny, like, the whole way. But, right? But, like, that's all he is? I don't know. It's like, it, there's something there where he's not quite Hall of fame All right. But it's kind of it's kind of funny because there, there's a you, we all know the segment of people who say oh SNL's not not funny anymore it used to be funnier thirty years ago or whatever Mike Myers is like one of the first names that they bring up as an example of that I think people romanticize Mike Myers' time on SNL oh for sure more than maybe yeah the goods that he actually delivered on SNL which is I find fascinating and I think both of you um, spoke to that point <laughs> in in great ways. Jamie, where are you um, at? Norm McDonald, we have not talked about yet. So I included Norm on my ballot. I would say like a, another solidly middle of the ballot in like a very good way. I think just something about his brand of humor and how him it is really pushed me over the edge on this one. I think just the deadpan style, just even thinking about like, what he did with Weekend Update and just the, like, not giving a crap approach, thinking about some of the, like, O.J. Simpson stuff and just how we're still talking about that today. And I know a part of that is just around kind of him him passing and as we're kind of reflecting on some of those things that have actually kind of stood the test of time in some ways. I mean, I, I look back at some of his stuff, some of it does not stand the test of time, and I'm like, how is this funny? But other stuff really does in a way that I respect for him. So he did make my list. I think the turning point for me was just really his distinct style and also kind of bridging a couple of different eras of that like old, older world and then kind of the Will Ferrell, Molly Shannon, just kind of across across eras a little bit. Great. Okay. Thomas, where are you at with Norm MacDonald? I did not vote for Norm MacDonald in season one. And I had voters' remorse that I did not vote for him in season one. Norm MacDonald did make my vote. He did make my ballot. This time around, I am writing an egregious wrong. I was I was telling these fans that they didn't vote for Lonely Island, which they should have, by the way. They should be scolded, but I think I should have a lesser scolding for not having voted for Norm MacDonald last season. I mean, Jamie alluded to it. He just brought a, an interesting voice to, to the cast that he was a part of. Just that real oddball Norm sense of humor that di- he just brought a much-needed dynamic to the show, and his sketches were, were memorable, even if he didn't carry the show like a lot of other 
other cast members that we can think of. When he did carry a sketch, it was memorable. And you can tell it was Norm that did it. And it was so clever. Earlier today, I watched that Cobras and Panthers sketch where they <laughs> did the, they made fun of the West Side, West Side Story. And it's, it's so typical great. Norm. Like his buddies start singing. They're going to go fight the Panthers. And his buddies start singing. And they stop. And he's like, what was that? Like calling them on like, you guys just broke out into song? What the hell was that? Like that's a, just such a quintessential Norm humor. Yes. That sketch. The Sylvester Stallone sketch when he's got into the car accident and Sylvester Stallone comes to, to rescue them and he, he <laughs> doesn't pass it up an opportunity to tell Sylvester that stop or my mom will shoot sucked and all this stuff like Norm's voice was so needed on that show not to mention you know Jamie mentioned it his time on Weekend Update was just so interesting push boundaries and what happens when you push boundaries some of it might not age well but there's a lot of it that that does age well and I think just um yeah Norm McDonald uh, I hope gets in this time around I do too I and I also think he he gets short shrifted for his impressions yeah right? he had some great impressions his he has one impression well, he did Larry King. He did a good Larry King. He did a good David Letterman. Letterman was great. Letterman. His Bob Dole yeah. was was so silly, but it was, I mean. I feel like his iconic. only great impression is Burt Reynolds. Burt Reynolds. Reynolds. Quentin Tarantino. That is a great impression. His Tarantino is so funny. Yeah. So I, I did, I hear everything you guys are saying. I did leave him off the okay. list. Mostly because, and I'm. Look, he passed away and it's very sad. And I, I understand that outpouring of love for the guy. because I And I think. It's, you know, you talked, Thomas, earlier about sort of figuring out, like, what was part of the actual show versus what's maybe ancillary to the show that we think about him. And I think his appearances on Conan and his appearances on Howard Stern really, like, are are a big part of the mythos around him in a way that the, for me anyway, that the actual time on, on the show is not. I, I would go so far as to say that he's maybe among my least favorite Weekend Update hosts. I think I would put Dennis Miller and Tina Fey and a lot of other people ahead of him as Weekend Update hosts. I don't think that his, I think there's stuff in there that's memorable because of what was going on around it with Don Olmeyer and making fun of OJ, who was his friend, and like poking the bear, which is like his whole sort of like what drove him as a person was just to like prick people who that he thought were were dicks and i i that's all really cool but it doesn't make the material that great for me fair enough i mean he he, he was divisive at the best of times but he I, I i stand on the side of divisive that he's you know beloved like i absolutely you know adore adore him okay so next up we've got uh thomas what have you got for us yeah, so my next one is a performer that really means a lot to me. We, we've been talking about trailblazers quite a bit during this conversation. Dr Jamie brought up a performer that meant a lot to her, uh, who was a bit of a trailblazer in Molly Shannon. So on my ballot is uh, Jan Hooks. Just such a dynamic talent. And again, I'm going to say she popped off the screen uh, in, in many of the sketches that she was on. And in a time where SNL was still very much a boys club uh, when Jan Hooks was on, uh, she and Nora Dunn and to maybe a lesser ex extent, Victoria Jackson got the short end of the stick in a lot of ways. But Jan just was such a dynamic sketch performer. I don't think she's close to a lock here. I would actually be surprised if she made it this time around, but I'm I'm just thinking of of her stuff as like her Betty David that one that Betty Davis sketch was awesome when she played 
she played the waitress kind of interacting with Alec Baldwin. That's such um, a great sketch. <laughs> yeah, there was a really famous sketch where it was a Twin Peaks sketch when Kyle MacLachlan was hosting. It was like the, a season premiere and she was great and they actually highlighted that there were no women on the show. She had to play two different characters and she rushed in and fixing her wig and she alluded to like, you know, I have to play this character because SNL ran out of women or whatever. So I just thought just the I think in an, in a different age, maybe if she came up in like the mid 2000s, I think she would have exploded more uh, than she did. But her work on the show and just what a performer she was and what a trailblazer she was. Uh, Bill Kenny articulated it really well. So you all should go back and listen to my episode with Bill Kenny. Uh, but Jan Hook is on my list. Jamie, is Chan Hooks on your list? She is She is not, which is maybe strange because I just spent a lot of time talking about kind of trailblazers and kind of the role of that in some of my votes and completely agree with the trailblazer status. I think for me, the sticking point on this one, I would put her on a list of underrated cast members. I wasn't quite ready to put her on the list of Hall of Fame cast members at this stage. Open to being convinced, and I have not yet listened to that podcast episode, so we'll happily go back, and maybe that is another contender for my number 15 vote. Honestly, for me as well, she was the only cast member from the nomination list that I didn't include. I felt a little bit weird including the entire cast, so I felt like I had to draw the line somewhere, but maybe that is an arbitrary rule that I don't need to hold myself to and open to being convinced on this one. No, I think that's a nice admission. Thank you. Maddie, is Chan Hooks on your list? She's on my list. Yeah. She's on yeah. my list. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All that aside, I'll, I agree with everything that was said in terms of, like, she is very much a trailblazer. But also, I just like Chan Hooks. I want to be your friend. She's the, she's just so nice. And it's just like one of those things. I, I do also think, like, I guess in terms of the history of the show, I think her and um, uh, John Lovitz, one thing they represent together for me is that move away from Second City and towards the Groundlings. And and that was kind of important in the history of the show that they went from one sort of source of improvisational sketch comedy to a really very different, you know, and then again, they did that again when they when they sort of moved into the UCB model with um, uh, Amy Poehler. But I think that's important. Like she is a really archetypical groundlings cast member, just the way she approaches sketches and her like her sense of how to perform and stuff. It's just a different sensibility from Second City. And I think she did a really good job of like translating that into the SNL mold. Cool. Well, we'll stick with you, Maddie. I think you've got one left on your list. I have one left. So who is that? My last one is a, is a host. And that host is John Goodman. All right. I think John Goodman is formative to the show. I think it's incredible how many times he was on. And a, again, a guy that just, you know, like when you talk about people who are game, man, John Goodman is game. He is game for whatever's going to happen. Uh, he's just fearless. And again, so likable and brings such a warmth to the show when he's on it. You know, so he's he's an easy pick for me. Yeah, I, I love John Goodman. He's such a Papa Bear. I, I get that warmth, that Papa Bear warmth from him, for sure. Just that nice smile. He, uh, he maintains a comfortable teddy bear shape. Yeah. <laughs> Jamie? Yes. So John Goodman was on my list, I think, just for the, the simple reason that when I think about iconic SNL hosts, like his his face pops up in my brain and not going to argue with that. I think his just commitment, his sense of fun, number of times he's hosted, eras, all of that just is is very much a slam dunk for me. So I, I don't have much more to say than, than this one was also a pretty easy one for me. 
Great. Yeah, um, I'm kind of laughing because so in season one, I was a guest uh, for three episodes. It was Chris Farley, Emma Stone and Nirvana. And even though I was nominating them, I only voted for one of them. (laughs) I only voted for Chris Farley, ultimately. (laughs) And I'm laughing because I thought that Maddie, (laughs) when he said his last one was a host, I thought it was going to be the host that that he and I talked about because Maddie was my guest for the Candace Bergen episode. And so I guess Candy didn't make the cut. So so I, I think that's pretty funny. But I did the same thing with Nirvana uh, and Emma Stone last year. Uh, that's all that to say. I didn't vote for Candace Bergen. John Goodman is actually uh, on my list. So we got a clean sweep here. John Goodman, three for three. I mean, even though it was condensed largely to like the 90s and some of the 2000s, man, I looked forward to those John Goodman episodes. I knew the show was going to be in good hands when when he was the host and things like the the Bill Brasky sketches, like John Goodman just fit in so well. He just had you could tell he was just having so much fun. He understood the show. The cast seemed like they had a ball with him. So, I was surprised that he didn't make it. If for nothing else, that he just hosted so many times. I thought that that he would get in just based off that alone. But I think he should get in uh, this time around. So John Goodman does have my vote. Excellent. Yeah, 31.6% of the vote is what he got last time out. I think that compact time period works against him. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Yeah. Right? People have forgotten a little bit. Yeah. Where are we at here? Let's go back to Thomas at the top. I think you should have a couple more left. Uh, I've exhausted all of my votes. You have? I have. Jamie, have you exhausted all your votes? I have one left. Ooh, this is interesting um, then. All right. <laughs> yeah, just, just one left. And I will say on this one, I, for the most part of my votes, I try to be unbiased, but sometimes personal preference and bias does creep in. Sure, of course. Um, in the host category, I voted for Justin Timberlake. I think generally I would like to see a little bit more on the quantity and kind of span of eras range, but I talked myself into including him because I feel like he was so iconic in the years that he did host just in going back we we're talking about the lonely island earlier just like a really cool interesting era of snl that i think he played a, an important role in and just his almost goofiness i don't know if that is the right word but just a fun type of energy that i think is really unique across hosts so justin timberlake was my slightly biased but passionate final pick Excellent. Whoa, that one that one um threw me off. Oh, the police have been called. Yes, sorry about this. <laughs> okay. Jamie, I don't think I don't think that's that's entirely out of bias. I think that's a perfectly reasonable I too. pick for sure. He totally. was actually on I had a list of tough cuts. So I had like Drew Barrymore, Candace Bergen, John Mulaney, Franken and Davis, Paul Appel, and then Justin Timberlake. Justin Timberlake might have been like my number one toughest cut, honestly. That's perfectly defensible. I mean, he's such a dynamic performer. And I've said it before, but Justin Timberlake pissed me off when he hosted SNL because like, you know, he's, he can dance, he can sing, he's good looking <laughs> and, and he's funny too. He can host SNL. He's good at this also. Like, come on, man. So, <laughs> so that's a compliment. <laughs> he, the fact that he pissed me off when he hosted, that's a compliment. Yes. Same with like John Hamm, like pissed me off when he hosted because he's just such, such a great host. Like you can't be a great SNL host, can you? And Justin Timberlake was. So that's perfectly defensible. Yeah, I think so too. I think so too, Maddie. Yeah, he's he's uh, I if I don't have a list of tough cuts, but he is a tough cut. 
I just, I think what you said that maybe he's got to come back and do it a few more times. And I think the same thing about Mulaney, like it's a tough cut to not put them in yet, but yeah, I feel like there's a little more gas in those tanks. Yeah, I think so too. It'll be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And you're right about, it's like, uh, nobody that good looking should be funny. Funny is for people that look like me. <laughs> and, me. <laughs> yeah, no. and me. And me. Well, on that note, we will wrap up a night of really interesting discussion. I don't know that I am any more clear on who I'm going to vote for at this point, but I do have more information to chew through. So this is this is great news. I want to thank Thomas. I want to thank Maddie. I want to thank Jamie so much for joining me and revealing their ballots with y'all. Make sure that you have registered to vote so you can actually cast those ballots and then find out at the end of the season who makes it into the Hall of Fame. Any final thoughts? Uh, just go out and vote. Register to vote and let your voice be heard. All right. Well, as you're walking past the weekend update exhibit, please do me a favor and turn out the lights because the SNL Hall of Fame is now closed. Thanks for listening to the SNL Hall of Fame podcast. Make sure to rate, review, share, and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on social media at SNLHOF. This is Doug Denant saying, this is Doug Denant saying, see you next week. Cast some such.